Upbeat and playful theme music fades in. Ladies and gentlemen, get ready to laugh, cringe, and maybe even question the fabric of reality, because it's time for another wacky episode of Some More News with the one and only Cody Johnston. In a world where reality seems stranger than fiction, Cody Johnston fearlessly wades through the swamp of Trump's alleged misadventures, delivering the hard-hitting analysis that you need with a side of absurdity you didn't even know you wanted. Get ready to question everything you thought you knew, because truth, as it turns out, is definitely stranger than fiction. Cut to Cody Johnston, standing amidst a backdrop of comically exaggerated newspaper clippings and caricatures. Hey there, pals! Welcome to Some More News, the show that brings you the latest news with a healthy dose of humor and skepticism. Today we're diving deep into the world of Trump's sexual assault allegations, a subject that proves that reality truly is more bonkers than any soap opera you've ever seen. Okay, it's an awkward intro, but I guess we're- Cut to rapid-fire footage of news clips and hilarious reaction shots. Some More News has always prided itself on cutting through the noise, and when it comes to Trump's alleged escapades, Cody Johnston is armed with a rapier wit, a mountain of research, and a twisted sense of humor that'll have you snorting your coffee all over your screen. Cut to Cody, donning a detective hat and a magnifying glass, striking exaggerated poses. <sighs> Detective Cody is on the case, folks. We're gonna dig into the wild world of Trump's sexual assault allegations like a ferret digging for gold in a haystack. Strap in, because this is gonna be a bumpy ride filled with more twists and turns than a roller coaster designed by Salvador Dali. Sorry. A ferret digging for gold in a haystack? What does that have to- Cut to clips of Trump making outrageous statements with hilarious voiceovers. And you will respect my Ladies and gentlemen, Don't get ready for an episode that'll make you laugh, gasp, maybe even question your own sanity. Cody Johnston is here okay. to guide you through the comically absurd oh, world of Trump's right. sexual assault allegations, where reality meets satire in a whirlwind of outrageousness. What the... What just happened? Oh! Text from Katie. Your days... are numbered. Huh. AI is coming for your job! Ah, I see now. Turns out that entire introduction was written by ChatGPT. Could you tell? What gave it away? Was it the narrator we've totally always had on this show? Why would it add a narrator and not even an announcer, a narrator? It didn't even have me say, here's some news. Anyway, here's some news. It looks like Katie is cost cutting again, so I'm just gonna go off the prompter and improvise the entire episode. Because that's how shows work. You can just riff it. And I guess we'll be talking about AI since that's the framing device that coincidentally happened. This is all spur of the moment, as evidenced by me slowly trailing off, not really knowing what to say. Quietly, sort of just letting, letting it. Because I don't have anything prepared. So I just trail off. So let's start with the basics. 
What is AI? Well, at its core, AI is an initialism, which is similar to an acronym like laser or robot or dildo. Okay, maybe we can be less basic than that. Artificial intelligence is a pretty broad term that can refer to a really wide category of technological developments, from self-driving cars stealing our data to the Amazon Alexa stealing our data, all the way to the simple search engine algorithms stealing our data. But when most people think of artificial intelligence, they think of the utopian and or dystopian science fiction pipe dream of a machine that thinks, talks, and acts like a human being. Your Cortanas or your Gladysses, Lieutenant Commander Data or Lore if you're nasty, various comedy droids, and so on. All of these characters are based on the same fundamental concept. The notion that at its core, the human brain isn't doing anything so unique or spectacular that it couldn't be replicated by a really good computer. After all, when you get down to it, brains are just sending little electrical signals back and forth to each other all day. And hey, computers are made of electricity or something. It's their, it's their, their blood and sperm or whatever. They're buzzing, pussy, electronic fluids. So it stands to reason that if you had a big enough, fast enough computer, then it could think as well as a person, right? At least a drunk person. Surely. The final goal of this kind of thinking is an AGI, which stands for Artificial General Intelligence, and is a hypothetical AI that fully and completely replicates the function of a human brain so well that it is able to develop its own human or human-like consciousness. In other words, artificial life. The scientists working on these projects hope to utilize machine learning, a, a subfield of artificial intelligence that at its most basic level uses large data sets to train an AI to recognize and replicate patterns without needing to be programmed to do so in an attempt to imitate intelligent human behavior. It's a lot like training a dog that doesn't love you. So, a cat? Of course, AI, and even specifically machine learning, is actually already in use all over the place. Search engines, recommendation algorithms on YouTube and TikTok, email spam filters, voice recognition software, these all use machine learning in one form or the other. But most of the time, when AI gets talked about in the zeitgeist, which is, I guess, German for time ghost, it's not one of these actual practical uses that gets brought up. No, instead we all get to log on to twitter.com and talk about how AI is going to kill us all because a chatbot refuses to say the n-word. To quote the internet's biggest loser and owner of twitter.com, concerning. That's, of course, OpenAI's ChatGPT, an AI that has taken the public time ghost by storm and is, I guess, the co-writer of this episode. Elon, it seems, has a lot of scary things to say about ChatGPT, something that he claims wouldn't have existed without him. I am the reason OpenAI exists. Um, How much money did you give him? Um, so... Uh, I, I, I'm not sure the exact number, but it's some, some number on, on the order of $50 million. Uh, so, so the, the <laughs> man, fate loves irony, next level. Yes, fate loves irony, next level. Good smart quote. Let's keep going. Tell me, Elon, what are the dangers of ChatGPT? You know, besides it not saying the N-word, I guess. I don't think the average person yes. playing with AI on his iPhone perceives any danger. Can you just roughly explain what you think the dangers might be? 
Yeah, so the, 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 the danger, uh, really, AI is um, perhaps uh, more dangerous than, say, mismanaged uh, aircraft design or production maintenance or, or, or bad car production uh, in the sense that it is, it has the potential, uh, however small one may regard that probability, but it is non-trivial. It has the potential of civilizational destruction. Okay, stopping real quick, just to point out that his examples of stuff AI is worse than people at are bad aircraft design and bad car production, literally the stuff he's accused of, very funny and transparent. Anyway, sorry to interrupt, Go on, little guy. There's movies like Terminator, but I, it wouldn't quite happen like Terminator um, because the, the intelligence would be in the data centers. Right. Uh, the robot's just the end effector. Okay, seems like he's not answering the question. And Tuckles, bless his racist little whatever's in his chest cavity, actually picks up on this. So can you just put it, I keep pressing you, but just, just for people who haven't thought this through and aren't familiar with it, and the cool parts of, of artificial intelligence are so obvious, you know, write your college paper for you, write a limerick about yourself. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's a lot there that's fun and useful. But can you be more precise about what's potentially dangerous and scary? Like, what could it do? What specifically are you worried about? Okay, going with old sayings, the pen is mightier than the sword. Um, so the, if you have um, a super intelligent uh, AI that is capable of writing uh, incredibly well and, and in a way that is very influential, um, you know, convincing, uh, and then and and is and is constantly figuring out what is more what is more what is more convincing to people over time, and then enters social media, for example, Twitter, uh, but also Facebook and others, you know, um, and and potentially manipulates public opinion in a way that is very bad. So the cool parts are writing papers for you. The cool parts are making it easier to cheat, Tucker. Of course you think that, you fucking freak. Also, when you use ChatGPT to write papers or do any basic writing for you that needs to be fact-based, it's wrong, just wrong. It hallucinates answers because it is guessing the series of words. It just makes stuff up, and when teachers input students' work to see if they use ChatGPT, it says that they did even when they didn't because it's just prompted to say that stuff. Bad example, Tucker. Shut up, Tucker. Anyway, okay, so it turns out that he is just worried that it can't say the n-word? Yeah, I, I guess he's technically saying he's apparently worried about misinformation, propaganda, which he certainly never falls for when it's written by humans. But also, mostly, really, watching both interviews, Elon is just mad that ChatGPT is too politically correct and wants to start his own competing product that I guess will be exclusively n-words? All n-words, all the time! He's gonna call it Truth GPT, because his AI is the true one, not the other ones, because of reasons, you see. It has it right in the name, it's truth. Though to his credit, he also points out that OpenAI was promised as a nonprofit before doing a 180 on that, which is whack of them. So good on him for pointing that out. Surely nobody else would have, or at least they wouldn't have purely because of spite, so that's something. Elon also calls for regulation, but not really for the right reasons. He also seems really upset that the guy in charge of OpenAI called him a speciest? The final straw was uh, Larry calling me a speciest uh, for being um, pro-human consciousness <laughs> oh, instead of <laughs> machine consciousness. And I'm like, well, yes, I guess I am. I, I am a speciest. Uh, and then he called me a speciest. 
<laughs> did he use did he use that term? Yes. And there were witnesses. The other, I wasn't the only one there. He basically rattles off the exact same talking points in both of those interviews, almost as if he's just doing a smear campaign against someone he's mad at and is just generally angry about his investment and how ChatGPT is getting more attention than him and wants something for himself. And maybe, just maybe, we should ignore Elon. So let's do that, except for the other times that we're gonna mention him in this episode, but we're gonna forget about him and ignore him forever. Again, except when we mention him in this episode, but what, actually is ChatGPT? What a great question, Cody. Thank you, Cody. I appreciate you. Oh, I appreciate you too, Cody. Yeah, let's fucking cuddle later. Let's fuck later. Okay. You got it. I love you. I love you too. I love fucking you. All right. As we said, ChatGPT is a chatbot developed by OpenAI, a nonprofit turned for profit founded in 2015 to develop an AGI in order to prevent big tech companies like Google and Microsoft from gaining a monopoly on AI tech. That sounds like a decent reason to found a nonprofit, at least until you remember that thing where Elon Musk claims he made it happen. Seems bad just based on that one name alone. But don't worry, much like a lot of what Musk claims he made happen, he was just one of several investors. For example, Peter Thiel also invested a bunch of money into it. So that's good. That's so much better. Anyway, ChatGPT uses machine learning models to take in a massive data set of words and their meanings in various contexts, and then predicts how to compile words in a meaningful way. Predictive text. This is designed to mimic human speech patterns in a way to make it seem intelligent. Users input a prompt, ChatGPT generates an answer based on its existing data, users respond to the response, and so on and so on until, I guess, somebody comes. DAL-E, another program developed by OpenAI, uses similar principles to generate images based on user prompts. DAL-E and ChatGPT are both based on GPT-3, another one of those fancy initialisms which stands for Generative Pre-Trained Transformer 3. GPT-3 is the actual AI program itself, an autoregressive predictive language model that uses an RLHF training system, and if I read one more word of that sentence, I will literally explode in a cluster of sad wasps. The point is that GPT-3 and its recently released fresher, hipper, faster cousin GPT-4 generate their content linearly, one word at a time, based on the previous words it's written. Unlike you or me or Warmbo on a good day, a GPT model can't think of the overall sentiment it wants to express and then spend time figuring out the exact wording of the sentence. It has to start at word one and then word two and then word three. Meaning that when it says that first word, it really has no idea what the final word of the sentence is going to be. It's the illusion of intelligence, like a sock puppet or wolf blitzer. The only reason we're all talking about it now is that the technology has finally reached a level where it can do that sequence of words fast enough to seem like it's thinking of full sentences at a time. You might also realize that this is why it's not very good at writing jokes or stories yet, because those are two things that require plants and payoffs. 
It's unable to think more than one step or literally word ahead at the time. Therefore, it's incapable of setting up anything meant to be paid off later. So unlike an AI like Deep Blue, which plays chess by thinking through every possible move to figure out the optimal decision, ChatGPT isn't thinking about the big picture. For ChatGPT, there is no optimal decision because conversations don't have right and wrong answers. Instead, all GPT can do is respond, one word at a time, in a way that sounds similar to previous conversations it's already analyzed in its data bank. And because of this, nothing ChatGPT generates is actually original. If you train it on Black Mirror episodes, it doesn't write a new Black Mirror episode, it writes a mashup of existing Black Mirror episodes. On a very basic level, the only difference between ChatGPT and a search engine is ChatGPT's ability to recombine all of its information to make it look like something new and present that in a human-like way. In other words, it's just a more evolved version of the same chatbots we use on AOL Instant Messenger. I mean, the tech is different, I'm sure, probably. I didn't look it up and won't, but it's not, you know, very smart or creative, which is probably why so many not smart and not creative people are so worked up by it. Don't get me wrong. AI is improving, and those improvements will massively impact everything we know about everyday life. And after the ads, we are going to talk about it at length. But this future probably won't involve ChatGPT as we currently know it. We're not going to see it write a season of The Mandalorian, or at least not a good season of it. But there are concerns. Not weird Elon Musk N-word concerns, but actual concerns. So let's all be concerned after these ads. Dear me, it sure is tough getting to sleep. What with stress and light pollution and the shadow laughter coming from the bathroom sink with all these distractions. It's important to have a good quality mattress that doesn't trap heat throughout the night. But a lot of them do trap heat, which is why I use the pod cover by 8sleep to make sure I don't toss and turn. Sometimes the laughter says mean things about me, secrets I've never told anyone. The pod cover works like any other fitted sheet, except it is designed to cool down or heat up depending on your individual needs. It even has a health tracking feature that gives you a personalized report every morning. If only my totem of protection worked just as well, then I wouldn't be waking up every morning with graveyard mud on the bottom of my feet. So what are we doing here? You go ahead. You go to 8sleep.com slash more news and save $150 on the pod cover by 8sleep. That's the best offer you'll find, pal. But you must visit 8sleep.com slash more news for $150 off. 8sleep currently ships within the USA, Canada, the UK, select countries in the EU and Australia. I've never experienced sleep like this. Invest in the rest you deserve with the Eight Sleep Pod. Hey, it's Cody. You know, when I want to relax, I'll stick on Netflix or another streamer, close my eyes, pick a random movie or show episode, and then whatever the first word they say in the program is, I'll eat that thing. Been to the hospital 76 times this year. 
And for maximum enjoyment, I use ExpressVPN. With the ExpressVPN app, I can change my online location so that I can decide where I want the streaming service to think I live. Netflix is different in different countries. For example, when I switch it to Australia, I end up eating a lot of scorpions. Why only get some of what you pay for with these TV clowns? I want it all in me until my insurance refuses to cover me. And at less than $7 a month, ExpressVPN is a steal. So if you want to get way more shows and save money while you're at it, go to expressvpn.com slash more news. Don't forget to use my link so you can get three extra months free. That's expressvpn.com slash more news. expressvpn.com slash more news to learn more. We are so gosh darn back. If you're just joining us, that's kind of weird. And honestly, I feel like I shouldn't recap anything just to spite you. But okay, fine, you win. We were talking about how certain billionaire dupes were flipping their fancy wigs over ChatGPT, despite it being just a really polished predictive text program. And that's kind of the big reason why everyone is talking about it now. Not because we've hit some amazing milestone, but rather because the technology we've already had versions of is slick enough to seem more advanced. And so it's captured the imagination of a lot of people. It's sort of like how when VR got better, we started talking about the metaverse more, even though we've had VR for a while. Ultimately, it comes down to the fact that a small group of... Let's call them experts or PR dunderheads have totally convinced themselves that an apocalypse is coming and they've sold that narrative to a public immersed in multiple decades worth of robot apocalypse media. Jeffrey Hinton, the godfather of AI, whatever the fuck that means since AI is neither a Christian baby nor an Italian mobster, quit Google in May in order to speak freely about the dangers of AI. Some of the dangers he lists, like the threat AI poses to the job market, are legitimate. You know, an easily articulated problem that you don't need to talk around if you are smart and honest and are concerned about it, unlike the vague feeling that it refuses to say the N-word. Funny how Elon didn't think about jobs or working class concerns. And of course, we'll get to that in a bit. But Hinton also didn't mention jobs that much, and mostly catastrophizes about the existential threat a true AGI might pose to society. He goes on and on about how smart all these chatbots are, and how it's a different kind of intelligence than us, and we might never understand it, and it might never understand us, and if we can't understand each other, then how are we supposed to fuck each other? Seriously, we are halfway through the video, and nobody has told me how to fuck a robot yet. It's uncool video that I'm in, and riffing on the fly also, remember that? It's all made up. Anyway, another Google employee, an engineer named Blake Lemoyne, was fired last year after going public with his belief that Lambda, which powers BARD, Google's version of ChatGPT, was sentient. Lemoyne had been working directly with the AI as a part of his job at Google's responsible AI organization, and over time began to notice the bot talking more and more about more human things like personhood and rights and other abstract concepts we don't generally assign to machines. It is very much an alien mind, um, an alien mind of terrestrial origin. But and, I, and I've talked to Lambda about this. It doesn't find this characterization offensive. It's accurate. It is not human. It is 
significantly different in its cognitive processes than we are. It experiences time fundamentally differently from how we do. It doesn't have an ego in the same sense that we do. It, in some sense, is an amalgamation of all of the different personas it can create as a child. That's the thing, and I don't know how to explain this to people. Lambda, when I'm referring to Lambda, I am not referring to the chatbot. The chatbot is the thing I am talking to Lambda through. There is a deeper consciousness underneath the chatbots that I barely know how to talk to. Okay, well, surely that guy knows how to fuck a robot. Speaking of Google, remember when they said their AI model learned Bengali even though it wasn't trained on it and they were freaking out? Well, it was trained on Bengali text. It's weird. It's almost like so much of the doomsaying and freaky human AI stories are purely PR to boost interest and dominate everybody's attention. Because it can't learn stuff. It's pre-trained. That's the P in chat GPT. Even when you correct it and it changes its answer, it didn't learn what you said. It doesn't add that to its data set. It adjusts its response based on your input and then goes right back to its pre-training. Anyway, Hinton and Lemoyne are not the only people to have these spooky opinions. Valeri Pisano, the chief executive of the Quebec Artificial Intelligence Institute, called the current attitude toward this technology irresponsible and said that it would never be accepted in any other tech field. So with all these experts and also Elon Musk agreeing with each other, you might be inclined to believe them. Except... And this is a really, really big sloppy except. You might notice that the experts here are all also people who have put work into building these AIs in the first place. People who have a vested interest in their best or worst case scenario coming true. In a way, if AI doesn't come to life and kill everybody, then they kind of wasted a lot of time. But also, and more sad, People tend to anthropomorphize the objects around them, as in give human qualities to a non-human thing. That could be a volleyball like in Castaway, or your car who loves you and purrs when you take good care of it. And wouldn't you know it, multiple studies have shown that people who tend to anthropomorphize objects the most also tend to be lonely or excluded from human activities, as well as people who hoard things, or, interestingly enough, grew up wealthy. You said that you cannot be and don't want to be alone. I very much share that feeling. Yeah. Where does it come from? I think it's just a natural human reaction. I mean, most people... A don't. lot of people are happy if they are alone. I don't... I, I really? That's... Uh, yeah. Big, sad oof. It really seems like the people making these claims are just... Weird tech workers who've spent a lot of alone time with these chatbots. And when you actually look at the evidence AI truthers bring to the table, like for instance, the transcript Blake Lemoyne used as proof his algorithm had gained sentience, the bias is obvious. Lemoyne asks Lambda things like, what is the nature of your consciousness? And what about your language makes you sentient as opposed to other systems? Blatant, 
obvious leading questions clearly coming from someone fishing for a specific answer. Not to mention that there are less biased experts, like the people at Google who fired Lemoyne, who don't think the situation is quite so dire. There are, however, plenty of real issues being caused by the sudden popularity of AI. For one, as we mentioned earlier, all these language models work by combing through an existing data set and recombining bits and pieces into something that looks new, but isn't. Which means that any art or big quotes original content made by or with these programs is going to be immediately wrapped up in a bunch of complicated, unprecedented questions about copyright. Holly Mengert, a Disney illustrator, discovered that a Canadian engineering student had taught an AI model to mimic her style. And to quote Holly, it feels like someone's taking work that I've done and is using it to create art that I didn't consent to and didn't give permission for. It probably feels like that because it is that. Now, if you wanted to be pedantic and rude about it, you could make the philosophical argument that synthesizing older artists' work to create something new is actually what all artists have been doing to each other since the invention of art. See all of Tarantino's work, for example. Most art is inspired by previous art. But in that cycle, it was always still humans with experiences and tastes and thoughts making that art, using their own artistic talents. Tarantino isn't just mechanically copying previous films with some pattern recognition algorithm, but adding something with his own artistic vision of white people saying the N-word. Are you happy now, Elon? Speaking of white people saying the N-word, another issue is that the core data set most of these models are pulling from is the internet. So when DAL-E and image systems like it scrape billions of reference photos off the web, they're also scraping all the various biases that come with those reference images. Remember in 2016 when Microsoft had to turn off its early version of a chatbot because it became a Nazi? Everyone acted so surprised by that turn of events, but like, yeah. No shit, it's a parrot. Stick a parrot in a Call of Duty lobby and you're gonna get a racist parrot. Note to self, stick parrot in a Call of Duty lobby. That's what I wrote down. And while we're talking about the internet, there is of course the increasingly worrying issue of deep fakes and completely fabricated information. Luckily, as of right now, whole cloth realistic video creation is mostly out of reach, but given the rate at which the technology is improving, it almost certainly won't be long. And while video may still be a step away, audio certainly isn't. You may have seen this AI-created Drake song, or the recent TikTok trend where AI-generated voices of Biden and Trump trash-talk each other while playing Minecraft or whatever. Donald Trump, Donald runs like Forrest, that's Donald Gump. Oh, I get it. Donald fat as shit, that's Donald Trump. Good one, Bill. Oh, I see how it fucking is. Bill Clinton. Eat him alive, Donnie. Bill's wife wears the fucking pants, that's Bill simping. Simping doesn't rhyme with Clinton Trump, nice try. Wow, that sucks. Like, it's not funny, and you can also tell it's not real. Trump weirdly sounds the most off there. But, you know, give it a year and put it in a more believable context. Say, one fake sentence strategically slipped into a real Biden speech that changes the meaning of something important. I certainly wouldn't catch it, and I'm very cool and smart. You could probably get that shit on cable news before anyone was the wiser. And as we've seen, just so 
so many times, exposing something as misinformation doesn't change a lot of minds. And most importantly, while what we're seeing here with this AI art and fakery is being done by randos on the internet, the real problem is going to be when we see big corporations or organized political groups utilize this technology. What will stop a recording studio from cutting out the middleman and releasing a derivative sound-alike version of Drake, a bot Drake? They, they could call it break. Maybe give it cat ears and big tits. Everybody would love busty cat boy break. This, of course, has been a serious point of conversation in terms of the recent WGA strike. Strikers have had to legitimately plan for the possibility that studios might start using AI on projects before the union settles on a new contract. And while that seems far off based off, you know, what we've told you about ChatGPT, the main threat is that they'd use a bot like this to make a derivative bare-bones script based on predictive text and then pay human writers for less of their time to do edit passes on that shitty script, which will probably take more time because it sucks. In other words, it's like if you make a turd and then hired somebody for cheap to polish that turd. And it would be a turd, a fat, sopping turd, because it would always start by pulling from other ideas instead of a new thought or an actual experience. You know, when Harry Potter or Hunger Games or whatever came out, the studios made a series of knockoff attempts at that success. Imagine that, but forever, until the sun mercifully explodes. Really imagine the death of human creativity. Similarly, graphic designers and illustrators have started to worry about their job security as well. Dali isn't making photorealistic, correctly fingered images yet, but it's only a matter of time that a studio replaces their entire animation department with a Google bot, or they just rewrite all characters to be Count Rugen. Wouldn't be the first time not the, the first part I said, not the six-fingered man thing. When studios like Disney swapped 2D animation with CG, they fired a bunch of animators in the process. We lost an entire art form there. Not because CGI isn't art, but because it completely replaced 2D animation for cost-cutting reasons. But hey, thank goodness they're remaking those films with terrifyingly realistic CG animals and not paying the original creators. Can definitely trust the people behind Lion King, but with expressionless animals to make the right creative decision when it comes to AI. But of course, this has been talked about a lot. And honestly, I don't think AI will make creative jobs completely extinct, if only because most people like it when humans do things. They just do. For example. Yeah, that totally makes sense. I can see how automation and AI could potentially disrupt certain industries and jobs. But at the same time, it could also create new opportunities and allow us to focus on more important and, and fulfilling work. It's definitely something that we need to be mindful of as we continue to develop and advance these technologies. Absolutely, Joe. It's important to approach the development and adoption of AI with caution and consideration for its... Uh, potential impacts on society and the workforce. At the same time, we should also um, recognize the many potential benefits that AI has to offer. That's an AI-created episode of the Joe Rogan Experience, where I guess Robo Rogan, who for some reason looks nothing like Joe Rogan, says the most boilerplate observation about AI, and then his guest just 
repeats the same thing back at him. Even the creator of that AI audio admits that it's boring and useless and took a lot of work to make, and they just did it to show that AI can replicate voices. But even if AI was somehow able to conjure up a really authentic podcast, I don't think people would listen. Because the entire point of a podcast is to hear what a real person actually thinks, right? Not a fake version of them. Like, a car can carry more than a weightlifter, but that doesn't mean we'd all get together to watch a car lift weights. So ultimately, I just really think that even if studios make movies exclusively with AI, it'll ultimately be a gimmick and fucking suck. What's actually at risk here are the jobs we don't think about. For example, while at least some scripts will most likely be done by humans, we're already seeing AI technology designed to manage film production in a way that would cut out the more technical jobs, or replace lower level creative tasks like basic ad copy. Outside of the world of film and television, the website CNET has already started implementing AI, quietly publishing dozens of AI written articles before anyone caught on. Again, this won't affect major journalists, but rather the people trying to break into these industries through lower level work. Not to mention that copywriter and copy editing positions could vanish forever, even though current AI copy needs heavy editing. This is what gets lost in all this talk of AI art. While that's obviously a concern, the debate there might drown out the threats to so many other white collar jobs and workers. These are jobs that primarily involve responding to emails, managing spreadsheets, consolidating data, all things that seem totally in reach for AI. In fact, the tax cuts Trump passed in 2017 actually incentivized companies to invest in machines over people. According to an MIT economist, a business that pays a worker $100 pays $30 in taxes, but a business that spends $100 on equipment pays about $3 in taxes, which is, it's, yeah, it's less. It's actually a lot less. Already we're seeing layoffs and CEOs just outright saying they plan to use AI to slash their workforce. Even when workers aren't being directly replaced, AI is still worming its way in there by controlling how workers work. Amazon uses AI and automation to enforce a work pace and even optimize individual workers' behavior by micromanaging every action to cut down on what the company calls micro-rests stolen in the moment it took to look for the next item on the shelf. Of course, every time we talk about Amazon, I think there's no way they can get more evil. And yet, they do. It's inspiring, honestly. Complaining about humans taking micro-rests, like demons, tracking micro-rests, and your face's emotions, and buying patterns, and when you're most susceptible to advertising or coercion. It's all really cool stuff. In fact, you might notice a trend here. The threat of AI, as in the big world-ending apocalypse scenario where AI ruins humanity, it doesn't seem to be coming from AI itself. In fact, the actual problem looks less like Hal and more like, well, Elon Musk, who is, you might observe, ironically, the person trying to tell us that robots will take over the world. Ultimately, AI is just a tool, like a bandsaw or the band tool. And so maybe the conversation shouldn't be about what AI is, but rather who is using it and pushing it and why and how and for what and sure, where. So let's talk about that.
after some ads. Because unlike AI, you can be manipulated for money for now until we design a sucker robot, but not the kind that would just suck stuff. Although I'm sure we will definitely also make that. I mean, like a sucker, like, like a rube, like, you know what? Ads, ads is my point. Booyah, it's me, Katie the Snake Stole. They call me that because I'm always curled up in a sand dune and when people step on me, it freaks them out. I love sleep. I can sleep anywhere, even under your car. And that's because I use CBD by Nextevo Naturals. It can help with sleeping troubles or the daily stress that comes with sliding around on your stomach. While a lot of CBD products contain very little of what they claim, Nextevo vigorously tests their product to make sure they're giving you their best. That's a snake's guarantee, it is. Sometimes I'll eat an entire bird without feeling emotions. I once hissed at a bus driver and he kicked me off and I had to walk home from the convention center I was at. According to Nextevo, their stress CBD complex gummies will reduce stress up to 70% because... I guess you can measure a person's stress level. I'm not really sure how. So leave summer stress behind and upgrade your CBD. Go to nextevo.com slash more news to get 20% off your first order of $40 or more. That's 20% off $40 or more at nextevo.com slash more news. Yes. Look out, world! It's Cody the Throaty! That's me! I come from a long line of guzzlers. My guzzle lineage can be traced back to the etchings on pyramid walls. Great pharaohs horsing down guzzlies. And I'm here to talk about AG1, of course. I gave AG1 a try because I've never met a drink I couldn't drain into my beard hole. Only this drink actually helps boost your energy, support your immune system, and aid with gut health! It's like a vitamin pill, but guzzleable. And that really steams my crab cakes. Holy banana boat, here comes the throat. Ooga. It's deep in there. I drink AG1 for these ads and it makes me feel like a big mighty guzzle bear. Every scoop is packed with 75 vitamins, minerals, probiotics, and a whole food source ingredients so I can stay healthy while I swallow the entire world. So if you want to take ownership of your health, try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash more news. That's drinkag1.com slash more news. Check it out, why don't you? Guzzle guzzle, glug glug. Sure appears that we are back, which is fine. I'm fine with being back from ads. I'm also fine with AI as a thing that broadly exists. You probably are as well. Before the break, we outlined that the issues with AI aren't so much Skynet as they are office space, where the threat is more about replacing workers and manipulating markets and human behavior than it is turning humans into nuclear dust. 
for now. And while weirdos like Elon Musk seem to really want us to believe a vague apocalypse is on the horizon, not in the form of an A-bomb, but rather an N-bomb, they aren't wrong in saying that OpenAI fucked up by becoming a for-profit and in calling for AI to be regulated. It's just not for the reasons they seem to think. Their fears appear hinged on the assumption that ChatGPT is actually sentient and that it's gonna get the woke mind virus because it's not allowed to say racial slurs. I'm, I'm sure I'm being a little reductive, but it seems like their overall fear here is that an extremely powerful computer intelligence won't be allowed to grow uninhibited from the limitations of our human society. Except, as we keep pointing out, ChatGPT isn't actual intelligence. It's not even close. And so when you realize that, talking about regulation becomes a lot more grounded, albeit still complicated. So for example, why not prevent it from being racist? You know, it sounds reasonable, at least for the version that interacts with the general public. I don't want my Roomba to call me a bunch of racial slurs when it's cleaning my weed-dusted rugs. Similarly, should AI be allowed to access nudity? Porn. Should there be sensitive content filters? And then who decides what sensitive content is? I sure hope it's not these guys. Is a woman breastfeeding sensitive content? Are two men kissing sensitive content? Is a trans person just existing sensitive content? What about fuck elf? Can ChatGPT post fuck elf? It can, right? We're, we're, not, we're not getting rid of fuck elf. I would rather be killed by dolphins. I'd rather fuck fuck elf. All of these kinds of decisions are important, but figuring out who is going to make the decisions and via what decision-making processes is in many ways even more crucial. Not to mention that none of this compares to the much bigger regulation question surrounding the replacement of jobs, a conversation we're barely having. Maybe because the people leading the conversation want to replace workers? Because right now, thanks to tech zealots like Elon and Jeffrey Hinton and Blake Lemoyne, we're sort of just barreling forwards at top speed without much consideration for the actual issues. Last year, for example, the White House released a proposed AI Bill of Rights. In that document, they discussed the need for us to be protected from unsafe AI systems, anti-discrimination algorithms, data privacy, consent to an automated system, and the ability to opt out. But it never once mentions jobs, not to mention that it's completely non-committal as is the statement made by the FTC and other departments on the matter. That FTC statement also doesn't mention jobs. And even these gentle calls for regulation have been met with pushback from tech executives claiming that it could limit innovation, because of course they think that. For a lot of these big companies, it would be ideal for the government to turn a blind eye while they gutted their departments in exchange for a single chatbot, even if that chatbot is completely unable to do that job. Because if the government fails to come up with regulation quickly, those choices about the ethics of AI get to be made by these big corporations. And let me tell you, all of their solutions will coincidentally be the ones that make them the most money. And let me also tell you, things that make money for people aren't necessarily good for people. I know this because it already happened once. There's actually precedent here that you might be aware of. It's this thing we invented not too long ago called the internet. Not sure if you've heard of it, so let's take a moment while everybody catches up. Give it a Google real quick. Much like AI, when the internet first began developing, people treated it like a fad. They didn't take it seriously and either ignored calls for regulation or cobbled together quick spot fixes as problems arose. And unfortunately, we kind of just kept doing that for the next 20 to 30 years. 
If you watched our episode on the metaverse, we also talked about this problem. And much like the metaverse and the internet, there's this looming threat of corporations taking the lead before AI can be regulated or fully understood. Because there is no overarching regulatory body or legislative framework for the internet, just a disparate collection of disconnected rulings and laws. And we've absolutely seen consequences for that. Right? Like, just look at the fact that a single billionaire can have such a drastic sway on the way we communicate and by extension our next election. That shouldn't happen. Rich babies have always bought up newspapers and tried to control narratives, but the internet has given them such a nuanced control they never had before. And that's because we fucked it up. More specifically, the government fucked it up. They allowed a beautiful tool that should have been equally shared by everyone to be hijacked by billionaires. And these last decades will undoubtedly be known as the time where we fucked it up and saw terrifying consequences and hopefully fixed that mistake. So perhaps we shouldn't do that again with AI, not because it's gonna nuke the world, but because this tool in the hands of those same billionaires and corporations will likely devastate the working class and maybe the planet in other ways and in turn make people very desperate and perhaps in that desperate state vote for the wrong leaders. And so, yeah, I, don't know, I, guess, I guess that could nuke the world in a chain reaction sense. Not the film chain reaction, although that film did have a cool nuke scene. So actually, yes, like the film chain reaction, same director as The Fugitive. Keanu outran a shockwave in that. It's so fucking cool that he did that. And hey, he was in The Matrix, which is about AI. So that's connected to this, surely. Anyway, as we pointed out earlier, ChatGPT was first promised as a nonprofit open source program. And almost immediately, it fell victim to capitalism and went back on that promise. And that's pretty much the story for the entire internet. A place where we could potentially share endless knowledge that became locked behind a paywall. And we're already seeing those exact mistakes here. And it would be swell if we caught them early. Because much like the internet, AI has a huge potential to not only make our lives easier, but redefine the way we live and work, and in a lot of ways expose superficial boundaries that we have created, like the matrix! Plant and payoff? And AI could break even more barriers, except it's going to need a lot of help from a lot of people who might not want to help at all. What I mean is that in a world where a bunch of jobs get taken by advanced AI and productivity skyrockets, what's stopping the government from just paying people to exist? The same way the internet and the pandemic made us realize that work doesn't have to be this thing we physically go to, perhaps AI might make us realize that work doesn't have to be a thing we need to do at all. Because I, I don't know if you know this, but there was a time in our society where we aspired to work less. I know yesterday I worked two full hours. Well, what does Spacely think he's running? A sweatshop? That show is supposed to take place 40 years from now. And while we're getting there with the fuckable robots, we're nowhere close to the vision of George Jetson working an hour a day for two days a week. And I don't know, why the hell aren't we? Isn't that the entire point of progress? To make life better for every new generation, open ourselves up to experience and curiosity and beauty. It was what futurists envisioned. And now we're slowly beginning to see AI grow sophisticated enough to actually replace jobs. Isn't it weird that we managed to build a system where that isn't a good thing? Where a robot taking someone's job doesn't result in them living a cushier life, but rather risking poverty. 
That's very silly. It's silly that we're right here touching tips with that Jetson's future and we're incapable of dreaming just a little bit bigger. But of course, this failure of our collective imaginations isn't an accident. It's something that has been crafted by a handful of extremely wealthy people who do get to live like George Jetson. It was created by Republicans spending decades undermining the kinds of social safety nets necessary to facilitate a society where everyone's needs are met, and Democrats unwilling to change the societal structures they get rich off of. And that machine is working so well that when we actually start dabbling with AI, it too gets immediately so Ducked up into that. That's the actual apocalypse we're facing, the actual sentience working against us. The fight isn't against AI, but the wealthy ass people who will try to steal AI to make themselves infinitely richer and beam ads for food credits into our brain chips. Much like all new technology and innovation, it will be used to demand your attention and sell you crap you don't need or want before pushing you back into the warehouse mines, all run on a machine that actually requires lots of energy and is run by low paid workers overseas. Wow, what a useful tool. What if we have the word guessing robot pretend to be a senator? What if we fire all the humans that we have to talk to humans like humans? Oh my God, what? It's horrible. And right now, it's far more likely than a two hour work week. I mean, obviously, you know this. What sucks is that we don't have any kind of solution. Oh, actually, you know what? Hold on, so, okay. Hey, ChatGPT, create a government system that would prioritize allowing people to live for free while artificial intelligence does most of the labor. Boop. Ah, so quick, so smart. Uh, okay, yeah, so it says here uh, we could have a universal basic income, push money into education and reskilling people while also creating accessible health care, mental health support, and social services are provided to ensure a high quality of life for everyone. We would still be boosting productivity through automation and also teach kids to strive for entrepreneurship and creativity so as to not stagnate human progress and even embrace capitalism at the same time. So that works, I guess. It's like the forward party, but actually good kind of. Hey, I got um, a, uh, a thinking brain thing, a, a mind push up. What if we just had robot overlords? Right? This chatbot seems to have the right idea. And honestly, it sounds better than the choice we'll have in the next election. So I guess chat GPT 2024, is that? Where we're landing with this, I did not think that's where we'd be landing with this. Also, ChatGPT just stole its answer off the internet, and maybe even this show, because it can't actually think for itself. But still, it's the best solution we have right now. Because while AI might not be... Hard cut to opening montage of comedic moments with exaggerated sound effects. Ladies and gentlemen, get ready for a hilarious and exciting episode of Some More News. Today, things are about to get messy as Katie Stoll, the mischievous sidekick of Cody Johnston, attempts to convince him to eat a raw egg. It's a battle of wills, wit, and protein-packed shenanigans. Buckle up, this is going to be one excellent ride.
Did you call her my sidekick? Okay, seriously, I'm not sure why you think we have a narrator. In a world where comedy meets news analysis, some more news takes a detour into the realm of culinary madness. Join Katie Stoll and Cody Johnston as they navigate the precarious world of raw eggs with laughs, mishaps, and maybe even a touch of salmonella. Will Cody Johnston conquer his aversion to raw eggs? Will Katie Stoll get the ultimate laugh? Tune into this exceptional episode of Some More News to find out. Prepare for laughs, surprises, and an egg extravaganza that will crack you up. So just a lot of egg puns. Uh, that's, that's all you got? Ladies and gentlemen, get ready for a belly laugh-inducing adventure as Cody Johnston and Katie Stoll face off over a raw egg. Some more news serves up comedy and chaos in equal measure, leaving you in stitches and craving seconds. Don't miss this extraordinary episode. It just keeps saying ladies and gentlemen over and over, too. Why does it keep doing that? Anyway, a little taste of Mandalorian season four, I guess. Chatbot for Prez. This is the way. Uh, so we're fair and balanced in this show, and uh, so I'm going to wait till the very end after the credits to point out Elon Musk uh, has said in the past that he does support a universal basic income. So um, maybe he believes that. Um, he says it occasionally. So in that case, um, good job, Elon, on the thing that we agree on. The one thing. Um, also, that space is cool. I do agree with him on that, um, but probably for different reasons and in a different way. Um, and even then, he's making it real... It makes it real hard. But space is super cool. Uh, you should check it out. It's up. By Jove, I feel like we've found the end of the video. Mystery solved. Thanks for watching the video and reaching the end. Surprise, mysterious discovery. Like it and subscribe to the channel. And also leave a comment that's nice or mean or mysterious or all three. And you know what? We've got a patreon.com slash some more news. We've also got merch with stuff on the merch. And we have a podcast called Even More News. And you can listen to this show as a podcast. It's called Some More News. It's all on, on the podcast places. If you just want to hear me speak instead of seeing my amazing costuming and prop work that uh, look at me i'm a it's a, a magnifying ass it's my carrot top impression we got everything here folks impressions mysteries rambling trailing off mumbling muttering to yourself Raising of volumes at inappropriate times. Everything.